You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 51, Balancing Act. Summary. Azawa does the tally on his blessings and his curses. Aizawa doesn't have anything to say to Hizashi, because it's been said already between them in years upon years of the same damn argument. Aizawa can grow and change as an adult, make better judgment calls than a reckless youth who believes invincibility is just a state of mind. But there are parts of his personality he simply can't change. He's always going to put himself in the way of harm that would fall on others, instinct driven to keep the people he loves most even if it means using himself as a first, foremost, and final form of defense. Hizashi sighs again, breaking the silence Aizawa just stands in grim respect of like a mourner. This time, his words take the shape of a fatigued plea that's too quiet in the empty, closed-down theater of their cavernous apartment, the only suitable arena for their inevitable showdown. There has to be a point where you start making the right decisions, Shota. Because if that doesn't hit Aizawa right where he's weakest. Hizashi has sparred with him for years, knows all his soft spots. Where will cut the deepest when Aizawa's already been shredded to ribbons. So even though Aizawa's supposed to be the sorry one, he's also the one who snaps first. Because the right decisions... Kiki and Hitoshi are still alive, aren't they? What do you think I've been trying to do? Aizawa doesn't go about his day trying to choose all the wrong options just to stress Hizashi out. It just happens that way sometimes. What you always do! Hizashi returns pitch-matched for Aizawa's angry frustration, because they're a matching pair any day of the week, if you know where to look. You get so deep in the woods, you can't see the forest for the trees. You don't call me. And then when the bulldozers come through, you throw yourself under them and tell me, I had no choice. It's a point, and an imitation of Aizawa, so familiar they could call it a family friend. Like the uncle no one wants to see at the table, causing trouble and upsetting all the children. You tell me you don't have a choice, Shota, but you do. Three for three Shotas. Man, Aizawa's fucked. So Aizawa gets to scrambling, jumping for whatever stupid reason that's in reach, and lands on the background noise of Hizashi's radio show while he took the assassins out. Some rationale that dictates Hizashi couldn't have missed the his show, or he wouldn't have been able to say the things he said on air or played the tracks he played while it was all happening in that mad slow-motion blur. You were busy. Bullshit, I'm busy. Try again. Hizashi knocks Aizawa's excuse back like swinging for baseballs in batting cages, except that Hizashi doesn't need a baseball bat. Aizawa stood there pitching when Hizashi was first learning how to control his quirk, directing his sensitive support gear to smack each ball right out of the air with just a harsh word. Hizashi's quirk is so much raw power, it's just pairing it back that requires the delicacy of a concert pianist. You know I'd drop everything if you needed help, but you don't ask me because you're too wrapped up in your own world. I'm just trying to keep everyone safe. 
as I was like a kettle left to boil, silent until he shrieks, and still not admitting that excluding Hizashi is a fear-driven instinct to do exactly that. Preserve everyone's safety, regardless of whether they can help. Even when it leaves Aizawa torn between Hitoshi and Hizashi, like a dog toy being pulled apart by the pack. And you're doing a fantastic job, baby. Hizashi purrs cynically, his waxed mustache like a piece of punctuation at the end of every sentence. It was end-of-term drinks tonight, and given this is Hizashi they're talking about, even if he's pulled back a little, there's still a bottle of sake on the table, and an overly large mug for him to swig it out of. Which is never a great sign, when Hizashi's choice of receptacle falls in favor of the most efficient way to drown his sorrows, Aizawa chief among them. Just look at you! I'm trying! Aizawa always knew a blowout was coming. It just didn't, it just doesn't make the actual fact any more pleasant. They can pretend it's all Hizashi and his loud mouth, but Aizawa's got a temper to match, even the deafening present, even the deafening present Mike sleeping just under the surface. This is the best I can do, and I'm sorry if it's not good enough. It's an angry sorry. Not the way Aizawa really means it. But if he isn't so fucking frustrated that everything he does is wrong some way, somehow. I don't think you are trying. Hizashi's tone drops back down, weighted with all that disappointment and turning away from a shouting match that one of them is always going to win over the other, so they do their best not to try and prove it. How many times did I ask if you needed help? I didn't think I needed it. Then. Aizawa's hoarse answer, honest as it may be, does no favors for Hizashi's temper, so Aizawa can only admit defeat. I admit I made the wrong call. I'm not perfect. Hizashi lets out a manic laugh. Perfect? You? I'm not asking for perfect, Shota. I'm just asking for the bare fucking minimum. That pisses Aizawa off, too, because he's been putting in so much effort for what feels like days, or one incredibly long one. It just hasn't been effort towards Hizashi, because their deal has never been for the whole world to revolve around each other. It's the reason there's no one else for them but each other. The only ones who can keep the insane push-me-pull-you balance they've spent 15 years building together. And the most logical conclusion is that they belong together. What a sentimental bastard might call soulmates, even if it doesn't always feel like it. You can take care of yourself. Aizawa barks more than he bites. Just because I'm focused on someone else for a change. I can protect you, Shota! Hizashi screams like a powered saw slicing through wood, striking every wall in the airy penthouse living room and converging back on Aizawa until his ears are ringing. But you won't fucking let me! And Aizawa doesn't have an answer for that, because Hizashi's right and Aizawa's just stubborn and wrong, as usual. And he's so tired of fighting. In dazed-out quiet of something finally getting through to the heart beating underneath all that stubborn bastard, Aizawa takes a few shaky steps, feeling himself sway as fatigue gives the edge back to the sedatives sagging from an adrenaline crash that's more of a 16-car pile-up. 
I'm sorry. Aizawa gets to the end of the sofa and drops down to sit, unable to rest his head in both hands due to the immobilization of his arm, so he just hangs it like a dog instead. I've been so fixated, fixated on protecting them, it never occurred to me that I could be a target. So it was you they were after? Izashi isn't yelling anymore, but there's a symphony of tension in his voice. Aizawa just nods. Hizashi doesn't shout or scold, even though he's got every right in the world to do exactly that. Why? Because I'm close to Hitoshi. Aizawa admits out loud for the first time. The reality he couldn't confront because Aizawa is the last person he ever considers in an equation. And that is a weakness. That's why I didn't want you to... If they realize you're close to me you'll become a target too. And if pulled by a force of magnetism, Hizashi draws closer to Aizawa. I can handle it, babe. No, you can't. I mean, no one can. Aizawa finds desperation in his voice, finally tapping that oil well of fear so dark and slick it makes him sick, like downing a shot of crude oil. These two... They're on another level, Hizashi. The things they do to you. Or with Hizashi. A high-profile pro-hero with such a powerful quirk. Even if they only gained control of present Mike for a few minutes, the docker Shioko could devastate an area before dreaming up something else awful to do with him. Hell, they'd probably make Aizawa watch. Perhaps it's the drugs or the flashbacks of the flickering TV in the distance returns the rerun footage Hizashi must have been scrutinizing all evening. But Aizawa suddenly feels like he could throw up. The TV skips through Hitoshi and Kiki's apartment filmed from street level. The frenetic crowds as, yes, that's Aizawa on the stretcher, Hitoshi by his side and Kiki following at the back. He's wheeled into the ambulance and rushed away in a new attempted murder by the Death Note killer. Still no word of Dr. Shinso's escape. Yet. Then the footage shifts from official news feed to the shaky mobile video someone took from an opposing building, after Aizawa charged through the window and hung the two assassins out to dry like cocooned moths. It's too blurry to make Aizawa out in any detail, just the way he likes it, but it's not too hard to make out the wounded way he moves in Hitoshi and Yamaguchi's grip before the clip cuts off. Now Hizashi's the one who sounds defeated. So I'm meant to watch you die on TV instead? I'm still here, Aizawa responds, and Hizashi steps closer. This time... Hizashi gets close enough to lay a hand lightly on Aizawa's bad shoulder, and he hisses through his teeth. Can I see? Another defeated nod and Aizawa has to repress a shiver when Hizashi's dexterous fingers grab the top of his zipper and slide it smoothly down. Even if what Aizawa really wants is the closest physical equivalent to crawling inside Hizashi and sleeping like a bear going into hibernation, it might be a bit early for makeup romance. Hizashi's even gentler slipping Aizawa's jumpsuit off than Hitoshi was getting it on, and whistles a frustrated, Fucking hell, Shota! 
through his diamond-white teeth at the scale of the bandages and dressing that cover Aizawa's shoulder all the way to his elbow. A quick glance proves Aizawa's assumption that his overexertions on the trip home might have torn the odd stitch or two, as patches of blood have seeped through the thick layers of padding like ink on blotting paper. I'll need to visit Recovery Girl in the morning. Way to state the obvious. Hizashi looks heartbroken, like Aizawa's just reached in and tore it out of his chest with all the strength in his arm and the glass took out of it. Because this is what Aizawa does, and Hizashi knows he can't stand in the way of it. Oh, he can try, but he's not a man for losing battles. But maybe Hizashi can win the war, not with shouts and firepower, but in negotiation after heavy losses on both sides. Sinking down to sit next to Aizawa, Hizashi's not quite a begging man, at least not outside the bedroom, but it's closer than Aizawa's comfortable with. I'll take you, Shota, but would you please stop pushing me away? It's a question, like Aizawa's got a choice. It's not on purpose, he replies brokenly. I'm just trying to keep everyone safe. Scratched record, playing the same tired tunes over and over. So let me keep you safe, idiot. Hizashi's softer now, and Aizawa's missed him like a piece that fits a gaping hole in his head. Maybe, hopefully, Hizashi's missed Aizawa enough to not relegate Aizawa to a cold-shouldered night on the couch. Although, he wouldn't blame Hizashi for making him do it, given the high likelihood of Aizawa getting blood in the bed in this state. But even house rules are made to be broken. Aizawa's not used to giving in, but it always feels more familiar to give in to Hizashi like accepting the bitter medicine he'll feel better for later. He nods, mumbling a heartfelt, Okay. Hizashi's hand settles on Aizawa's knee. So where are they now? Aizawa's the stupider side of tired, and asks, Who? Hitoshi and his mother, duh. Hizashi has the patience of a saint, and Aizawa's got no idea what he did to deserve such devotion. That because Aizawa cares about them, Hizashi does too, no questions asked, beyond the obvious ones like where they are and if they're safe. Tama's taking them to a police safe house, Aizawa grouses. I don't really like it, but I don't know what else to do. But if Aizawa's always been the brawn, Hizashi's the brains, shining new light where an earthworm like Aizawa never knew to look. Can't they come here? It's the kind of thing only Hizashi would say, because Aizawa's impulse-driven never to bring anyone back here, ever. Meanwhile, Hizashi shows up with entire boy bands he joyously invites back without a second thought. That fear of discovery running through Aizawa never touched Hizashi to begin with. Two parts of Aizawa's life that he was trying to keep apart out of habit more than logic, and he should be ashamed of himself. Why do you look so surprised? Hizashi can read Aizawa like a book he's leafed through hundreds of times before, as if there's no page he hasn't turned. Don't tell me you hadn't thought of it. Aizawa just stares at Hizashi and counts his blessings. The rush hour commuter crush of thoughts trying to make it out of his still sedated mouth 
ends up so the first thing he can actually work past slightly numb lips and tongue is an exceptionally needy, I love you so much. Hisashi's disbelief shifts to a grin. The dial of his mood never wanted to stay in the same place for too long, and he even lets slip an amused groan of frustration. Are you serious? You've been stressing over this kid for weeks and only just realize you can take him home? Hisashi shakes his head. I love you, Shota, but you're a fucking idiot sometimes. I should call them. Aizawa starts to fumble for his phone, like a farsighted person reaching for their glasses, until Hisashi takes pity, snagging it out of the pool of Aizawa's jumpsuit around his waist to slip into Aizawa's hand. Although ostensibly calm, Hisashi looks like he might tear some of his hair out if it wasn't his prized crowning glory. Maybe some of Aizawa's hair later. Picking the tougher nut first, Aizawa calls Kiki, who picks up during the second ring. Yeah? I swear if you've gotten into any more trouble... I'm fine. Aizawa cuts off, pretending he doesn't see Hisashi raising his eyebrows to the ceiling, with spiteful concurrence that everyone else is right to worry about Aizawa all the time, and he is the wayward child to keep an eye on. Change of plans. Why don't you sack off the police safe house and come here? Here? Where's that? Kiki's fatigue met with scathing, but if she hasn't shot him down entirely, then there must be hope. Home. My home. Aizawa explains awkwardly. You dropped me off there once. Already he's justifying himself. It's as good as anything the police can come up with, and we'll be together. He wants desperately to finish, but doesn't quite get it past clumsy tongue and lips. You're alone? Kiki's still as sharp as it takes to hit all the right nerves, probably knowing no one else rushed home the way Aizawa did if there's no one waiting for them. No, my other half's here. Words Aizawa's used before, the most accurate ones that he's ever had. Hisashi is the other half of Aizawa, the complementary and contrasting characteristics that match like a set. Put me on with Tama. I can explain. Aizawa wants you to turn around and take us to his place. Kiki can be heard doing the explaining for Aizawa announcing this up new update like a disgruntled commuter takes a delay to their usual service. Does he now? Tama can be heard breaking into derisive laughter, and whatever has him fired up with this much energy after the day they've all had, Aizawa wants a hit. And he's just so happened to decide that just after Sakachi's clocked off for the evening again. Convenient. A coincidence, but convenient nonetheless. Although, with the golden mood he was in, maybe Sakachi wouldn't have minded anyway. Hisashi is certainly the best protection that not even money can buy. Tama knows where it is. Aizawa informs Kiki, then, after a little consideration, and to hell with what Sakachi wants. He doesn't really mean it, but it still feels good to say. Kiki Kit. Kiki passes on through the three-way by proxy conversation that's somehow managing to work. 
He says you know where to go. Aizawa can just hear Tama's derisive laugh. I know the air... I know the area, but last time I went there, I was blackout drunk, so he'll have to give me more than that. Kiki gives a half-potted laugh of her own, more of a snort, but she still hasn't said no, and the spark of hope that she, and Hitoshi by extension, might actually go along with this indulgent change of plans flickers in the dark. Aizawa dares to hope that she does trust him as much as, if not a little more than, the police. I can recognize the building, Kiki says to Tama, and if Aizawa's not mistaken, this might actually be happening. Just get us to the neighborhood, and I'll do the rest. Thanks. Aizawa spews like a rising bubble of air, trapped gratitude finally finding a way to escape. Buzz for the penthouse from the garage, and I'll let you in. Ooh, get you! Kiki retorts with scratchy, dry humor that might only be partially humor. People react strangely to the paradox of how Aizawa comes across and the extravagance of his home life, but it's part and parcel of the broader paradox that is Aizawa and Hizashi as a unit. Hizashi's always going to live the high life to the utmost because, in his own words, I earned it, so I get to enjoy it, bitch. So just as inevitably, Aizawa's always going to be dragged along in tow. The trappings never mattered to him, who used to sleep on Hizashi's sofa back when his best friend lived in a cheap one-bedroom apartment, which was still much nicer than the one-room studio Aizawa had pretended to live in, before not bothering with having a home of his own at all. They've come a long way from those different days of their respective pasts, when President Mike was still a new name on the celebrity hero scene and took his payment in exposure. Usually, exposure of Hizashi's cock to whoever wanted to get on it. A lot more than he did in cold hard cash. Unsurprisingly, lots of powerful people out there wanting to fuck nubile young heroes for the promise of an extra point or two in the popularity rankings, and Hizashi was more than happy to oblige. It turned out right. It turned out all right for Hizashi, if not for all who got public, who got pushed to that troubled path into hero stardom, because long-lasting success, along with the cash, came later. It helped that as well as being a top-notch hero, Hizashi is a ruthless businessman among his other lucrative and inevitable, incredible talents, and knows how to make every yen work hard to bring home all its friends never exploited unless it's exactly what he wants. Aizawa's certainly not complaining. It's convenient, after all, and he can even confess to having gotten used to the high life in some regards, though Aizawa suspects that his utter lack of materialism is as much of a counterbalance to Hizashi's lifestyle as Hizashi's is for him in return. Yin and Yang, forever balancing each other out. Hitoshi will text you when we're close. Truth be told, Aizawa had forgotten he was still on the phone, but perhaps Hizashi's balancing influence reaches even further than his personal dynamic with Aizawa, because Kiki actually sounds quite calm. See you soon. Bye. Hanging up, Aizawa takes a breath that takes a thousand pounds off him, a weight that lifts and leaves him dizzy. 
Or maybe that's the adrenaline and drugs and blood loss. Better? That Hisashi waited patiently for Aizawa to finish his call probably means he recognizes this as all desperation and fear-driven stupidity, not spite. And if Aizawa's really lucky, Hisashi might not be completely ready to forgive or forget, but could perhaps overlook this gross indiscretion, at least for a while. Aizawa's never trying to be a train wreck, and Hisashi knows better than anyone that punishing him for crashing is like trying to yell the blue moon out of the sky when it shows up about once a month. Neither of them can help it. Better. Aizawa echoes hoarsely. He turns to one side, setting his injured arm carefully out of the way, to reach with the other all the way across Hisashi, binding the pair of them together. Two weights for keeping the scale level, finally side by side. I am sorry. Aizawa murmurs into Hisashi's collarbone, firm against his cheek under one of those incomprehensibly expansive plain white t-shirts. Hisashi sets a hand gently on Aizawa's back, bare skin and bruising. I know you are, baby. Aizawa had laughed in Hisashi's face the first time he called Aizawa baby, PDR, post-dating realization. But Hisashi's only response had been a razor-sharp, Get used to it, baby. Hisashi calls everyone he dates baby, or darling, honey, or sugar tits, and relationships were all about compromise. Especially theirs. Two personalities at such polar ends of the same scale that they meet up around the back, usually to make out. Aizawa takes another deep breath and feels himself melting further into Hisashi. Each inhale and exhale he slides farther down, past Hisashi's pecs with barbell nipples that drag across Aizawa's cheek under white cotton, settling against washboard abs that can more than support the weight of one collapsing sack of garbage. Just needing that moment of comfort and weakness, letting his guard down because this is the one person, the one place where he lets himself be completely vulnerable. It's... Of course, in the middle of this raw moment of exposure, that Hisashi utters a blue-skied, You could always try making it up to me, obviously. And Aizawa knows that tone of voice anywhere. Seriously? Aizawa's eye-to-eye with the studs of Hisashi's buckle, and the smell of leather from his pants isn't as appetizing as a whole medium-rare steak. And hell if Aizawa couldn't use the extra iron. I mean, while you're down there. Hisashi's almost coy, and this is an unholy blessing of a mood to catch him in. Maybe the fact that he's been drinking is in their favor after all. It does make him horny. Aizawa's careful not to count his chicks too soon before they're hatched. Soon reminded. But I'm still mad at you. Not so mad that he'd reject a heartfelt makeup gesture, though. I know. In true wet trash bag style, Aizawa's pretty quick to slide off the sofa onto the floor, his one good hand gripping one of Hisashi's knees as Aizawa sinks between his best friend's legs. I love you. He said it before, but it bears repeating. Aizawa's already snaked his good hand up to Hisashi's buckle, helped by dexterous fingers as Hisashi helps him get it undone. 
a grin that's illuminatingly wicked as he looks down on Aizawa beneath him. Prove it. Aizawa heaves a deep breath as a, as a shudder claws up his back, feeling even more lightheaded as what little blood he has left all heads in one direction. Hitoshi and Kiki are on their way, but they're not here yet, which means there's time, if Aizawa can use it well. Dragging up Hizashi's button-up fly with more intention than action, Aizawa really only needs to go through the motions to get Hizashi's immediate assistance shimmying out of his trousers, shucking the leather like a snake sheds skin, revealing brightly inked thighs and day-glow orange tight-fitting boxers. I missed you. Aizawa's desperate as all hell, but that doesn't mean he's going to rush the actuality, setting his good palm flat over Hizashi's underwear and dipping his mouth to a foresty, inked green sketch of Hizashi's thigh, starting to make his way slowly through the woods, heading north. So you keep saying. There's nothing much happening under Aizawa's hand right now, but if Hizashi invited him, then he's at least receptive enough to try, and Aizawa's never been one to back down from a challenge. When the patterns of Hizashi's tattoos comes to a stop on the border of crotch to inner thigh, Aizawa can't resist any longer and gently takes a bite, testing the pressure between his teeth for the subtle texture difference from skin, from inked skin to the provocative sections left bare. Hizashi makes a noise, stifled, and there's a latent throb under Aizawa's palm that promises he's making inroads. Leaves a glistening wet patch on Hizashi's thigh with a garland of pink indentations around it, then switches to the other thigh getting more comfortable in his reverent kneeling between Hizashi's legs, breath a warm breeze over open seas. On the shore of the ocean that laps around Hizashi's right leg, Aizawa sucks more than he bites, drawing a longer groan like the fall of a wave and breathy, ugh, baby. Maybe Hizashi's missed him after all. Aizawa tucks his fingers around the elastic waistband of Hizashi's boxers and lifts, releasing a pressure that lets Hizashi's junk to adjust without necessarily taking them off just yet. Because if Aizawa's anything, it's thorough, and he'd hate to miss a spot he has to go back to later. It takes a certain amount of care to do this with only one arm, but Aizawa's got plenty of strength left in that one to grab Hizashi by the hip and steer him further forward thighs lifting a little higher around Aizawa's head, careful not to rest on his injured shoulder. Hizashi's long legs reach all the way to the coffee table behind Aizawa, set just the right distance, you might even say, pushing up on tiptoe and arching when Aizawa seeks out to nip a softer spot where Storytail leg turns into the curve of a perfect ass. A pleasant pant puffs from an impressive set of pipes that Aizawa knows all too well learning the full range of noises that his partner is capable of like a whistle register. Because it certainly helps, for Aizawa, that there are an awful lot of problems with Hizashi he can solve by fucking it out. Kind of a late discovery, even, looking back on all the occasions in their teens and early twenties, when Aizawa realizes he could have definitely gotten his way during an argument if it, if it had only occurred to him to drop everything and put Hizashi's cock in his mouth. Aizawa would kick himself over it, if he didn't have much better things to be doing right now. 
things like kissing his way along the beginning of what Hisashi fondly refers to as the autograph pad. Because, starting from the time he first had the bright idea, after enough of his infamously volatile cocktails, there's a number of individuals who have autographed Hisashi's ass in Sharpie, which he's then gotten inked over by the nearest person capable of competently wielding a tattoo gun. Often the one Kayama bought him years ago to make Aizawa prove his claims that he could handle the pain without flinching, aka why Aizawa's got his own name tattooed on his foot. Hisashi only asked for autographs from the famous ones, who fucked good, of course. Back in his days as part of the idle groupie food chain that helps young heroes rocket up the popularity rankings. Ruled over by a committee of overly interested industry titans, who mysteriously drew up those lists in the same back rooms they tried out the new meat in every perverted way possible. An undeniable freak like Hazashi fit right in. And just because Aizawa hates the game, in no way means Hazashi isn't a player. In fact, present Mike was a hell of a player in his heyday, taking the flip side to Aizawa's path and exploiting the bullshit system for all it's worth. Being willing to say, do, or fuck anything that makes a hero successful in this industry. Beating the chumps at their own game. It's no surprise Hisashi established quite the name for himself in the prime of his youth, before settling back down to be a bit more respectable. Pure present Mike, of course, that respectable for him meant shacking up with a childhood friend boasting zero fame, a fashion sense only out-awfuled by his personal hygiene, and a track record of homelessness that had worried Aizawa's parents so much they had to stage a please-get-your-shit-together-son intervention, in which the only concluding compromise was that Aizawa listed wherever Hisashi was living as his official address, an arrangement preceding their whole dating realization by several years. Aizawa never felt the need to add his signature on this particular wall of fame to the other side of Hisashi's life, and half his ass, the other cheek mostly taken up with a glittering disco ball tattoo that's fondly referred to as the party in his pants, amongst friends and fuck buddies. Aizawa's got, and made, more marks on Hisashi's body than anyone else, and has himself has himself has his own name inked all over Hisashi's body for other reasons. He wouldn't fit among the scribbled signature of musicians, actors, and heroes who'd all been asked for their John Hancock by Hisashi, with another hand, presumably, on his cock. Aizawa's not that insecure, and even if he were, Hisashi's needy little noise as he pulls off Hisashi's boxers is more than enough to take his mind off it. Hisashi's jot thighs draw closer together as his underwear lifts, legs raising over Aizawa's head to lay the tableau of Hisashi's ass out before him like a piece of elaborate lacquerware. By accident more than design, Aizawa doesn't have the physical dexterity to go any speed but slowly and carefully, so he just mouths his way around Hisashi's cheeks until he's absolutely squirming. Okay. It's not much, but there's the slightest quiver in Hisashi's voice the hum of his quirk seeping through his control like waterlogged flood walls. I might be slightly less mad at you. A flapping of one of Hisashi's hand precedes his twisting hips as he stretches and contorts to stay where he is from the waist down, while on, while on the top half pulling open a side table drawer 
that's ingeniously home to one of Hisashi's endless supplies of lube. Aizawa is certain Hisashi and Kayama have contests to see who can stash it in the most obscure places. Based on the number of truly weird hidey holes in the apartment he's come upon, the little bottles and sachets. Presented with his next accessory, Aizawa accepts the lube and bothers to get Hisashi's boxers, pants long gone, just brightly patterned socks, the rest of the way off before slicking up his thumb and two fingers. Using his arm and elbow mostly to nudge Hisashi further forward again, Aizawa coaxes the slut into laying himself out nicely to be eaten. Technically, Aizawa never got around to dinner, what with the interruption of Shioko's assassins and all, so it makes a twisted kind of sense in the sedative-laced glory hole of his mind. And truth be told, Hisashi's asshole has far more to fear from Aizawa's mouth than the other way around. So it's no surprise at all that Aizawa works his thumb first before swapping out for his tongue with an unabashed confidence. Oh, Shota! Butter wouldn't just melt in Hisashi's mouth. It'd drip off his tongue like honey, pour from the corners of his smile like an overflowing fountain. He's rock hard by the time Aizawa reaches between Hisashi's legs and starts rocking into Aizawa's hand with a bouncy string of ah! Uh, at first eager contact. Because one thing about having the entire floor of a building for a penthouse suite with a metric fuck ton of sound insulation, as well as dampening their shouting matches, Hisashi doesn't have to be quiet during sex. And one thing about fucking Aizawa is that he is not, and has not, ever been one to worry about getting sloppy. So if and when Hisashi wants to be made a mess of, it's a match made in heaven. One advantage of not having any underwear under his jumpsuit means Aizawa's got no awkward restrictions himself, and the little blood left in his body fast inflates his balloon animal cock, as Hisashi once famously termed it during another of his drunken end-of-term radio shows. A fanatical fan rang in to ask their beloved DJ what he sees in that weird nobody he's been hanging around with, and Hisashi made his answer as defiantly crude as such a question merited. However, a disadvantage of having one arm to do all this with means Aizawa is out of hands for himself. The only functional arm is busy holding Hisashi by the autograph pad with a firm grip to keep his ass spread open for Aizawa to eat out. That's fine, though, because this really isn't about Aizawa getting off, so denial just sharpens desire until he aches with want, exactly like he should. Aizawa knows he's gaining ground when one of Hisashi's hands stops flapping around on the sofa and grabs the remains of Aizawa's bun. More of a hairball at this point, using it to pull Aizawa tighter against him. Fuck, baby, just like that. Hisashi huffs encouragement from a waterfall mouth that will stream of consciousness blab every thought to come through his head at a time like this. Even before they were together, Aizawa had gotten used to hearing such outpourings through the always-too-thin walls of whatever place Hisashi had at the time, and Aizawa was crashing in. Looking back, Aizawa's utter comfort with that nightly reality might have been another missed indicator of the chemistry between them being a little more than platonic. Especially when Aizawa would interject to erase Hisashi's quirk right before he deafened his poor partner in the throes of coital bliss. When the resistance around Aizawa's tongue lessens enough, he slides the tip of a finger past the tight ring of muscle, 
and opens Hisashi up a little deeper, winning another is-he-dying moan of Fuck Shota for his efforts. Hisashi might fuck like a rabbit on steroids, but no one stretches an asshole like Aizawa. He kinda has to, if he ever means to penetrate someone with such hazardously large equipment. Classic present Mike to not always take a cock, but when he does, it better be a monster. Not that they've got time for that before Hitoshi and Kiki get here. Speaking of cocks, Aizawa takes the chance to brush rough fingertips inquisitively across Hizashi's again, and they come back smeared with pre-cum as Aizawa swaps fingers for tongue again. More than anything, he's really glad they patched things up. There's a damn good reason the guy whose ass he's eating is the empirical love of his life. Ugh, yeah baby, fuckity fuckity fuck me, ugh! Hizashi motor mouths when Aizawa really puts his jaw into it. Hizashi's knuckles tight against Aizawa's scalp in case he was thinking about going anywhere in a hurry. Hizashi's almost folded in half at this point, flexing legs bent up past his head and spread-eagled open, so Aizawa's got plenty of room to slip a lubed finger up past the knuckle, eliciting another wordlessly yet endlessly communicative noise from, Aiza from Hizashi because whatever emotions they had been feeling before are all indiscriminately cleansed by cathartic lust. Stringing someone out is almost as good as being the one strung out, so Aizawa's just a throbbing pulse without another thought in his head, other than how best to take Hizashi to pieces. With another finger in Hizashi's ass, and a little more action in the groin area, before Aizawa finally gives up his mouth to wrap wetly around his best friend's cock, full and slightly sour on his tongue. Oh, I love you so much, baby. Don't stop. Uh, fuck. Hizashi spouts like a busted pipe, involuntary, involuntary impulse finally taking over as he thrusts all the way to the back of Aizawa's throat, air supply temporarily shutting off. Hizashi knows exactly how rough Aizawa can take it, but is still a little gentler than that in light of the circumstances, letting him up past letting him up after just a few seconds, compared to the minute or two they might easily gun for on other occasions. It's so good to be used in ways Aizawa can't describe, so he just curls his finger inside Hizashi and swallows him back down again, driving a tortured noise from Hizashi, who bucks and keeps thrusting. Even like this, Aizawa still wants to be pushed, and then still wants to be pushed too, and then just past the edge of comfort. Something strong enough to stop being himself so much for a brief moment of time. The control he desperately clings onto to be taken away and drowned in sweet relief. That relief for Aizawa is being mouthfucked while Hizashi jabbers, fucking slut, ah, uh, Shota baby, shit, fuck, I'm gonna come, ah, uh, is pure personal preference. Aizawa counts his lucky stars that he might have fucked up a lot of things, but what he's got with Hizashi is still as good as it's ever been. Hizashi blows his load in Aizawa's mouth with an animal noise that knocks out the TV for a moment, and it's not great that this is the closest thing Aizawa's had to a meal since lunch some 12 plus hours ago, but he feels better, and that's something. As if timed by the gods and pure cosmic spite, Aizawa is still on his knees in front of Hizashi, 
drool running down his jaw, and an unsavory palette of flavors on his tongue when the apartment intercom starts ringing with a call from the car park. Saved by the bell, baby. Hizashi slingshots from spite to amusement in a clean arc, certainly feeling much better and hopefully almost not mad at Aizawa at all now. I think it's for you. Aizawa's not a precious man, barely even a man except by biological accident. But either way, he's unashamed in dragging a less-than-pristine arm across his face to mop up most of the mess, followed by a stiff turn to reach for the coffee table and take a swig of Hizashi's leftover sake, swelling it around in his mouth like a boozy mouthwash before swallowing again. It's fair to say nothing kills an erection like the imminent arrival of Aizawa's teenage side kid and said kid's mother. So by the time Aizawa's made it to the wailing intercom, he's barely even hard or sex-stupid at all. Checking the video feed first, Aizawa confirms it's Tama and Kiki in the car, a purple shadow in the back he'll see again soon enough, before pressing the access button to let them in and croaking a throaty, I'll meet you down there. When Aizawa turns around, Hizashi's standing up by the sofa, naked from the waist down, and that's definitely got to change before the others get here. Aizawa's jumpsuit is respectively hanging around his waist, held up by his belt, which means between them there's one naked person and one fully dressed. But that's still only half of the kind of shit together they're going to need to be in about three minutes' time. I'll go get them. Aizawa announces as he manages to slip into the top half of his jumpsuit without too much difficulty, meaning he doesn't put his injured arm through the sleeve at all and just leaves it inside the jumpsuit, one good arm through the sleeve and the other flapping empty. Please put some clothes on before we get back. And preferably not just booty shorts either, although Aizawa doesn't say it for fear of guaranteeing that's exactly what Hizashi does. Hizashi makes an appalled face, posed as proud as a peacock dripping cum on what he likes to call the good rug, as in good for fucking on. And Aizawa's only got himself to blame for that, but it doesn't help them now. Aw, you're no fun. He's joking, and Aizawa knows that, and if it were anyone else, Aizawa wouldn't be so highly strung all of a sudden, but it's Kiki and Hitoshi who are about to come here. So Aizawa just hisses a desperate, Hizashi, with hopes of one more blessing yet. All right, all right, slut face, keep your hair on. Hizashi snorts as he kicks his pants up into one hand and walks around the huge L-shaped sofa for the bedroom. See you in a few. Hizashi winks at him on the way out, and Aizawa knows he's supposed to find it comforting, but would probably feel less like he's having an, having an anxiety attack in that case. It's not that Aizawa's completely against this. You could even say he wants Hitoshi and Kiki to be as safe in Aizawa's home as he feels in it. But that doesn't stop him feeling nervous about this unpredicted change he hasn't had nearly enough time to mentally prepare for. Maybe blowing Hizashi on the sofa wasn't the best use of the time they had after all. But hindsight's twenty twenty. So Aizawa takes a steadying breath as he shuffles to the door filled with more trepidation than he's comfortable to admit. Here goes nothing. <laughs>